Hey everybody, you're listening to the Legacy Church Podcast. Legacy Church is a multi-generational church that exists to worship God, become like Jesus, and bring hope to our community. Today, we're sharing a message from our current series. We believe that the Word of God is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope that this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website at lgcy.church. Well, we are continuing in a series that we have been calling Legacy Faith. Everybody say Legacy Faith. And so we are continuing in our series. Here we are, week five. Week five, God bless our children as they go. We are in week five of a series that we've been calling Legacy Faith. In week one, if you've missed out, I'm just going to catch you up over the next 60 seconds. In week one, we set the table for what is Legacy Faith. And so we uh, brought out a definition for Legacy Faith, that Legacy Faith is a bold trust in God demonstrated by those before us and exemplified for those after us. And then Pastor Rach in week two, uh, she talked about baby faith. And how many know in this walk of faith that we have so often we want to run, but that's not how it works. We must start to crawl before we run. And so she began to talk about baby faith and talked about mustard seed faith. And then in week three, just two short weeks ago, I had the privilege of talking about maybe faith. Everybody say maybe faith. And so we talked about how faith in a lot of our walks sometimes can, is not 100% sure. But how many know that all you really need is 51%? 51% can win the victory. And so we talked about that. And then last week, Pastor Rach in week four, and I haven't heard it yet, but I'm so excited to catch up on my wife speaking. I don't ever get to hear or go to church with her anymore. But it's so good that we both get to function in two different cities on Sunday, and it's so amazing. And last week, Pastor H talked about waiting faith. Everybody say waiting faith. And so waiting faith, in other words, are we willing to be patient for his timing, or are we going to settle for a snack version of the promise that he's supposed to give us? And so we were talking about that. And so today, and, and, and again, the reason that we spend, are spending so much time in this series. Now, I know a lot of churches in Canada don't do series much longer than four or five weeks. But we felt like between like seven, eight, I don't know, we might go nine, ten weeks. I have no idea yet. But we felt like in this season, because of faith, faith increases when we keep talking about it. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. So the more you hear about it, the more your faith begins to build. And like I said a few weeks ago, uh, as my uh, Bible school taught me, that faith comes by hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing, and hearing the word of God. The more you hear it, the more it begins to build up inside of you. And so now this book that we read from, this book called the Bible, the Holy Word of God, it isn't a book of fairy tales. It's a book of real stories about real people that went through real struggles and stood up in real faith. Now we have to understand that we are seeing the lives of real people. This isn't some Netflix series. 
We're seeing the lives of real people. But when we get into this word, when we get into our Bibles, things begin to unfold. It is like watching a Netflix series because every time you get in back into it, something else happens. And you say, well, I've seen that already. I've heard that already. Well, something else begins to reveal itself and you begin to get a revelation. And because you begin to get a revelation, there is a transformation that takes place on the inside of you. See, we spend time in the Word of God, but the Bible, now the Bible doesn't highlight stories of people who just played it safe or people who just didn't bother. See, the Bible highlights stories of those who stepped out in what we like to call legacy faith, faith that we continue to talk about some years later. We, we don't find the story of the woman with the issue of blood who heard about Jesus coming to her town but because she didn't feel like getting out of bed, she didn't make it that day. We didn't hear that story. We didn't hear the story of the group of guys who had a friend who was paralyzed and was bedridden. And so they carried him to the place that they heard Jesus was. But when they saw that the place was full and they couldn't get in, they turned around and went home. We don't hear that story. We don't hear the story of the woman who was in financial trouble and the prophet told her to uh, gather as many jars as she could so that they would be filled to help her financial situation. And because she was afraid of what people would think about her, she didn't go and collect those jars and didn't come out of her situation. We don't hear that story. We rarely talk about people who play it safe in this life. But this Bible is a book of people who would step out in crazy faith, who would step out in legacy faith, in belief in their creator. Now, the reason we are in this series is because we believe that we have a church full of people that are willing and able to step out in this same legacy faith that we read about in the Bible. There's stories that don't only have to be stories that are told, but we have a church that is so passionate about our Savior, that they can put their weight on what God says when he tells us to move. Now, we're going to look at crazy legacy faith in the book of Matthew 14 today, if you have your Bibles. If you don't, there is a version behind me. But today, we're going to talk about a man named Peter. Everybody say, Peter. Now, maybe he's a man that a lot of us can relate to. See, he's a man who lives in radical obedience to God's instructions. But then in the next moment, he gets a rage, he gets a fit, and then he chops someone's ear off. Come on, we've all been like that before. God, I want to be obedient. I can't stand that person on the road. And so a lot of us are like that. He's not shy about questioning things. He's not shy about speaking his mind, but he's got a deep desire to follow Jesus. Come on, do we have a church this morning that has a deep desire to follow Jesus? Now, Peter, in this moment we're going to read about in just a few moments, is going to do something that has never been heard or seen before. He's going to be faced with a crazy decision to either stay safe in the boat or to get out in the middle of a crazy storm. Peter, in this moment, has what we would call wavy faith. Everybody say wavy faith. Now, when you start walking with God, he's going to ask you to step out of what is comfortable and walk into something that has never held anyone else up before. Maybe he's going to ask you to be the first person in your family to go to college. 
Maybe he's going to be the first person in your family to finish college. Maybe he's going to be the first person to ask you because your aunt and uncle never survived and your mom and dad never survived. Maybe he will, you, he will ask you to be the first person to be committed in a relationship and to stay in a relationship and to get married and stay in it. Maybe, maybe. The problem is most of us live our life safe in the boat. We live our life safe in the boat. Here I am living my life. I'm safe. I'm comfortable. I'm doing okay. It may not be easy, but at least I'm going to be comfortable doing it. That's how we get sometimes. But what happens when God says to you, where you are currently at is no longer suitable for where I want to take you? What happens when the boat or the confines of what has kept you safe so far, God says, I want you to step outside of that. See, I think we love to sing the song Oceans. Everybody loves the song Oceans. It's probably in your top 10 songs every year when you get that replay on Spotify or Apple Music. Come on, we all love to sing Oceans. But what does Oceans say? It says, he's called me out beyond my borders. See, for some of us, he has to call us out beyond the borders of comfortability, beyond the borders of the boat that we're floating in. He must call us out beyond our borders. He's calling us out beyond the comfortability of the boat. See, God wants us to come out of the boat. But what's so interesting is I think a lot of times we want God to come into the boat where we are. God, if you would just meet me where I'm at. God, if you would just come inside this place with me. And he's saying, I want you to come outside of where you're comfortable. I want you to come outside of the borders. I want you to come outside of the boat. But the thing is, is that relationship doesn't work that way. See, when you met your spouse, you began to realize very, very quickly that you couldn't stay the way you were. Men, do I have an amen? Where you used to throw your underwear, you can't throw your underwear there anymore. It has to go in the laundry basket. Where you used to lay your towel right outside the shower door, you can no longer lay your towel there. Where you used to go and hang out with your buddies, you can't do that as long as you used to anymore. We begin to realize very quickly as we said yes in a relationship that we must change who we are. See, this isn't a give your life to Christ and never change gospel. This gospel is about revelation and transformation. But the problem is most of us have been stuck in baby faith for the last 15 years. We've been stuck in this baby faith. We said yes to Jesus, but that was the end of it. That was it. We don't walk in faith. We stepped out in faith to say yes to him, but that was the last time we ever took a step. That was the last time we ever began to crawl. God is saying we must get out of the boat. Everybody say, get out of the boat. Come on, say it like you mean it. Get out of the boat. Now we have to understand that Jesus before this just performed one of the most crazy miracles. He multiplies the little boy's filet of fish sandwich and feeds about 15,000 people. Now, I said filet of fish, and 10 of you just checked out, and you're ready to go to McDonald's and get a filet of fish. Has anybody ever done the hybrid filet of fish Big Mac combo? There you go. Making you hungry now. He multiplies the little boy's filet of fish sandwich, and he feeds 
5,000 hungry families. They estimate between 15 and 20,000 people were fed that day. So in the middle of this crazy thing happening with the fish and the loaves, these disciples were in the middle of this. They saw this crazy miracle take place in this moment. If that were me, I would be so hyped. You know, you're feeding all these people. And not only that, at the end of it all, there's a bonus. We get 12 extra baskets full of filet of fish sandwiches to take home with us. Come on, leftovers. Does anybody love leftovers? So going into Matthew 14, starting at verse 22, it says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. Now what's so interesting, what we have to remember is a boat is meant to help people travel over water without allowing them to drown. Am I right? A boat has uh, what is called buoyancy. And it takes you across something that is not supposed to hold you up, which is water. But let's just say in this, this moment, the disciples put their faith in the boat. Now, boats, I believe, are specifically made. They're made in a certain way, and they're shaped in a certain way. And they have such a buoyancy that they are able to help you navigate and withstand through the crazy storms that happen. But can we forget about the boat in, for a moment? Because... Some of us in this life won't even get in the boat because we don't even know how to swim. And because we don't know how to swim, that means we don't know how to save ourselves if an emergency arises. Now, I went deep sea fishing a few years ago, and I've never done this before, and I love to fish. But what was so interesting was I was so confident in my deep sea fishing. I was so confident getting into that boat when it was attached to the shore. But when you go 18 miles out in the middle of the ocean and you can't see land in any direction, how many know you lose confidence very quickly? I went out 18 miles. The boat captain said, I don't even take clients out here. He said, this is where I go. He said, so you're going into places that I wouldn't take anyone else. But I know how much... My friend and I loved, he, he knew how much my friend and I loved fishing. So he took us to his place. But what was so interesting was the place that he took us. Man, it freaked me out. I mean, there wasn't like crazy big waves, but they were big enough for me to doubt the ability of the boat. And so when we go out in these big waves, things can get uncomfortable very quickly. Because we realize how vast the ocean is. We realize how vast the water can be. And even though I think a lot of us, it's not that we don't trust the boat. It's that we think we can't save ourselves if everything else fails. It's pretty scary out there when you're out 18 miles out and you see a whale pop up about 100 yards from your boat. And you think, what if that would have popped up under the boat and flipped the boat? You begin to think very quickly, why did I make this decision to come out here? Could you imagine going out in the middle of a storm in a small boat? See, people who can't figure out how to save themselves won't even try to start a business. People who can't figure out how this relationship is going to end won't stay committed to just one person. God is saying, I'm not calling you to just get in the boat. I'm calling you out farther. 
I'm calling you out to come deeper. Going back into Matthew 14, 23 and 24, after he had dismissed them, Jesus went up onto the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land. Now, why did he go to pray in that moment? He sent the disciples out. Why did he go to pray in that moment? Does anybody ever think about that? You don't, maybe sometimes we read the word and we don't think about it. It's like, oh, he just went to pray. He's Jesus, of course. But in this moment, I believe that he was going to spiritually prepare himself to stand on what others have drowned in. He had to go and pray. He had to go and spiritually prepare himself. Now, the disciples, they're out there paddling. And as they're out there paddling, they're out there paddling in this crazy storm arises. I'm sure the wind and the waves, if you've ever been camping, you've been in a canoe, and I'm sure you've been in some waves. I've, when, my, when I go camping with my dad, I'm the one in the front of the boat. I don't know why he puts me in the front, but I'm the one in the front of the boat. And I've been in water before where we had five-foot waves, and we've had uh, white caps. And the waves are coming over the front of the boat. That's why he put me in the front to get wet, I think. But the crazy wind and the crazy waves happened. The Bible tells us that they were rowing all night. In other words, they were working really hard. If you've ever canoed through a storm, you know it's hard work if you're facing a wind. You know it's hard work. Every two and three paddles that you're trying to go forward, you're going backwards in a crazy windstorm. I've been in some crazy windstorms and some crazy canoe experiences with Pastor Dave. Those are the ones that I want to forget, but I can't forget. <laughs> when you're paddling that canoe, when you're paddling that boat, you don't feel like you're going anywhere. For every few paddles, you're actually going backwards because the wind is blowing you in such a way. I can feel like in these moments, this is how the disciples felt. They're working so hard. They're rowing together. They're working, but they just seemingly are getting nowhere. But what would happen in our lives if we prepared for certain circumstances the same way that Jesus did in this moment? What we've worked so hard to, to get to, what we've worked so hard and what we're trying to row so hard in the middle of the storm to get to the other side of our circumstance in this moment, because Jesus had prepared himself properly, he walked to what others were rowing through. See, if we prepared properly the same doors that we've been rowing so hard to get through, the same doors at our business to try to get that promotion, the same doors that we've tried to get at, whether it be financially, whether it be in our marriage, the same doors that we've been trying to walk through and run through, I believe would open up if we prepared properly. When God says that 2023 will be a year that we will go farther, he means it, but we have to be willing to go out deeper. And to go out deeper, we must go out farther. But some of us, because we've been trying to do it on our own, we've been rowing and rowing and rowing and rowing and rowing, and we find ourselves in the same spot. And a lot of times, we don't realize it because the storms have been so tough, but we've actually been rowing around in circles. But if we're going to step out of the boat, we have to make sure that we prepare properly. Matthew 14, verses 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. 
It is I. Don't be afraid. Now we have to understand that the disciples have been walking with Jesus. They just seen this crazy miracle take place. And I'm sure they were very familiar when you walk with someone, you recognize how they walk. You recognize how they talk. You can even see, if you just see a figure, you can recognize who they are if you've spent enough time with them. How many know that when you have kids and they get hurt in the other room, oh, there's my son again. Because you recognize the voice because you understand who they are. They recognize, they know the way that he looks. They know the way that he walks. They know the way that he talks. But in this context, they didn't recognize him. Think about it. They're on edge because of this storm. They're on edge. They think the boat is going to go under. They're probably on edge because the boat begins to fill with water. But what's so interesting is the way God moves and performs miracles in the middle of a storm may be different than what we're used to. It may be more unfamiliar than we're used to. God in a storm maybe doesn't look like the way that we recognize him. Remember, they just saw him a few hours earlier. They just saw him perform this miracle. They just saw him multiply the fish and the loaves and feed a large number of people with such a small amount, with excess left over. See, Jesus in our lives has come through every time. Because, come on, we're still breathing. We're still standing. He's come through. He's provided for us every time. But in this moment, they didn't recognize him because he didn't come in the way that they expected him to. So they got scared, and because it's unfamiliar, they act in fear instead of standing in faith. And because he comes in an unfamiliar way, they got scared instead of recognizing in that moment it was, his, it was their Savior. Now, I've seen God in my life use the unusual. I've seen him in my life use unusual circumstances. I've seen him in my life use unusual methods to re reveal who he is. Now, maybe you've just walked through a season where maybe your friends have turned on you. Maybe you just walked through a season where your friends have started saying things about you. But can I tell you something? It seemed uncomfortable. It seemed hard in that moment. But give it a little time and you'll recognize that maybe it was God. Maybe that relationship ended and it was hard and it was tough. It's hard to walk through. You feel like your heart is broken. But maybe... A few months down the road, or maybe a year from now, you'll recognize that it was God that did it. It may seem uncomfortable. It may seem unfamiliar. It may seem, why do I have to go through another heartbreak? But you'll recognize very quickly, how many know hindsight is 20-20? You'll recognize very quickly, God saved me. What you see as denial for a business, you saw it as a setback. But in all actuality, it was a setup for God to reveal himself in a new way. Going on into Matthew 14, verses 28 and 29, it says, Lord, if it's you, Peter's saying, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on the water and he came towards Jesus. You say, what? He walked on the water. Yeah, he walked on the water. Well, this sounds like a fairy tale. No, this happened. But here's what happens. It takes wavy faith to look at a situation 
and say, you want me to do what? You want me to walk on something that I'm supposed to sink in? You want me to stand on something that could possibly take my life? You want me to step outside of this thing that is comfortable, this boat that has comfortability. There's seats in here, Jesus. Come on in the boat. You want me to step outside? What if I don't survive? What if I don't make it? What if I get pulled into the undertow? See, the water in that moment doesn't look like it's going to hold us up. But the fact is, if I never got out of the boat, that's the thing is I think we, we think, well, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make it. There's no way I'm going to make it. I'm safe here in this boat. There's no way I'm going to be able to do this. But wavy faith asks us to get out of the boat. And in this moment, wavy faith becomes legacy faith. And wavy faith becomes legacy faith when it is exposed to greater faith. Because Jesus was unfazed by the waves, Peter, in that moment, had the confidence enough. He was probably towing the line between 50% fear and 50% faith. But because Jesus was unfazed in that moment, it tipped the scales into 51% faith, into maybe faith. Remember, all the disciples were in the boat at that moment. So why Peter? Why Peter? Let me tell you something. Wavy faith says, I am the exception. Say that. I am the exception. Wavy faith says, I am the exception. If God is calling us deeper and we've never seen it done before, it's because he wants to do it first through you. Most people don't believe this because we respond and we react the same way that others have. Well, if I, if I didn't see it in them, then how is he going to do it for me? If it didn't happen for them, then it won't happen for me. But when I read the Bible, this is a Bible where, where, where it's full of stories where God made exceptions. There are times that God does things so supernatural, that God does things so wavy, so beyond anything anyone could ever imagine. So beyond anything that anyone could ever explain. But there were exceptions to the rule. Let's take a moment to recognize what just happened in this story. What just happened in this moment. Peter and Jesus are doing the impossible. They are doing something that, never, that anyone has never seen done before. They are doing something that defies human logic. In fact, what is happening is they are breaking two rules. They are breaking the rule of gravity, and they are breaking the rule of buoyancy. They are doing something that gravity says is impossible. They are doing something that buoyancy says cannot happen. But in that moment, Peter is the exception. Everybody say, Peter is the exception. Peter in this moment was the exception. I want you to say, in faith, I am the exception. Say it with faith. I am the exception. There you go. You say, well, why? John 1 verses 12 in the Amplified says, but to as many as did receive and welcome him, Jesus, he gave the right, the authority, the privilege to become children of God. That is to those who believe in, to adhere to, to trust in, to rely on his name. Why would God do that for me? Why, why am I the exception? 
Why? I don't believe it. You are the exception. Why? Why wouldn't he do it for you? Why wouldn't he do it to you? Out of all the adjectives that God uses to describe his children, one of them is not normal. He doesn't call us normal. He calls us chosen. He calls us royalty. He calls us a king's kids. Why wouldn't he do it for you? You are the exception. Come on, we look at the life of Daniel who went into the lion's den and came out unscathed the next day. Daniel was the exception. People don't walk into a fiery furnace and come out the next day not even smelling like smoke and still alive. They were the exception. People don't in their 90s get pregnant and have babies, but in Sarah's case, God made the exception. Seas don't part themselves. But in the case of Moses, who raised a sick, God made an exception. Walls don't fall down when you walk around them. But in the case of Joshua, God made an exception. Come on, teenagers don't pick up stones and go to face giants in battle. But in the case of David, God made an exception. Dead men don't go into a tomb for three days and come out like, blam, here I am. But in that case, God made an exception. Come on, you are the exception. Come on, say it in faith. I am the exception. Say it like you believe it. I am the exception. But God can't make you the exception if you stay safe in the boat. My question for you today is, are you going to stay where it's safer, or will you put your trust in the Savior? Going back into Matthew 14, 22, I want to go back to the beginning just for a moment. It says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side. Now, was it the disciples that got in the boat? Like, no, 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 it was Jesus made them get into the boat. And Jesus made them go to the other side. Now, what I want to make in this, the point that I want to make in this moment is so often in this Christian life, we tend to think of storms as being a result of being disobedient or a result of distrust. I made the wrong decision, so this is what I'm walking through. This is the choice I made, and this is the hell I'm going through. But what happens when you're in a storm because we obeyed? I'm going to ruffle some feathers this morning. What happens when you're in a storm because you said yes? What happens when you're in a storm? Because God can take the good, he can take the bad, and he can take the ugly, and it can, he can either use it, God can use it, or in some cases, maybe he sent it. Now, I'm not saying he's going to send trials. I'm not saying he's going to send sickness. Don't take that out of context. But what I'm saying is maybe this storm was scheduled for a purpose. Could God have sent them into this storm? The creator of the universe. Do you think he knew the storm was coming? We don't often think about this. Jesus put them in the boat and he sent them to the other side. 
But could he maybe have put Peter in this moment? Could he have put the disciples in a specific specific location to set them up for one of the greatest miracles that will ever be talked about? What if your job was the storm that he sent you into to get you frustrated enough to believe him for the next step? What if the boss that you have, he sent you into that to get frustrated so that you would change your character, so that you would change the way you act, so that you would change the way you respond? What if God sent you to that school and said, I don't know how I'm going to finish. I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. What if he sent you to that school? What if he sent you into that neighborhood that you can't stand? Next to that neighbor that you never want to talk to. Maybe the scene of your greatest storm is also the setting for your greatest miracle. What if the storm was scheduled? The thing is, is that Jesus had to get Peter out on the lake. He had to get him out in the deep water where they had to rely on faith. Sometimes the storms of life are used to help us realign our priorities. Maybe if I wouldn't have been in that storm, I wouldn't have moved. Maybe the deal wouldn't have fallen through so I couldn't so I could have taken time to focus on my family in that moment rather than being consumed by my job. If you're in the middle of a storm, I want you to take a moment to step back and evaluate. Did God send me into this? And if he sent me into this, what do I need to get in this? Now, I'm not saying every storm is sent, but he can use them just as much. What do you need to get while you're in there? Now, I often ask myself this question a lot of times over the last four years. And what my life has seemed like to be a crazy storm. In moments where I've felt like the water was coming into the boat at such an incredible pace, I don't know that I'm going to keep floating. And I keep asking myself this question and people ask me when they heard my story over the last four years of what my wife and I have been through and what our Hamilton location has been through. And they keep asking me, how did you make it? How did you get through the other side? The thing is this, is I didn't choose to be a pastor. God called me. I didn't choose to step into Hamilton. He called me. And because he called me, I believe and I trust that he won't let me drown. He called me to Hamilton. He called me here to Kitchener almost a year ago. We're only two months shy. He called me to step in. But the thing is, is I had to begin to realize if he sent me, he's not going to let me drown. If he sent me, he's going to provide everything that I need. If he sent me, and if he's called me, he's going to be with me every step of the way. But the thing is, is I have to keep my eyes on him. I can't focus on the waves. I can't focus on the storm. I can't focus on the water that is coming into the boat. I have to recognize and keep my eyes on my Savior. Mike, if you could come. Matthew 14, verses 28 and 29 says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come 
to you on the water. And what did Jesus reply? Did he say, Peter, come? What did he say? Just says, come. You say, well, okay, come. But what we have to understand is there were 12 people on that boat. They all, saw, they all saw Jesus walking in this moment. They all knew it was him. They all saw him perform the miracle on the shore. But Peter was the only one with enough faith to step out of, out of the boat. Peter was the one, the only one with enough wavy faith to say, okay, let's try this. Peter was the only one with the wavy faith. One out of the 12 got out of the boat. What are you trying to say? If it was just for Peter, I believe that Jesus would have responded, Peter, come. But he didn't. He just said, come. What are you trying to say? The miracle was for everyone. There could have been 12 miracles that happened that day. There could have been 13 people walking on the water. But it was the wavy faith of one person that responded with one word. Come. God is telling us to get out of the boat in wavy faith. But will you move on one word from your Savior? Are we willing to move out of comfortability? Are we willing to move into the unusual? Are we willing to move in the impossible on one word? Come. He's calling us to step out of what is comfortable. But I'm here to declare to you today, if you live in safe faith, if you're living inside of the boat, that this is probably not the church for you. Because God has called us to something so much greater. And that means that we must sacrifice the comfortability. That we must sacrifice who we are. We must sacrifice these things to step into a greater faith. To step into a wavy faith that calls us outside of the borders of our comfortability. That calls us into circumstances that seem impossible, but yet we're willing to take that 51% step. Maybe it's you, God. Maybe. Maybe. But I'm going to test the water. And in that moment, there was a moment, and we don't have time to read it, but there was a moment where Peter took his eyes off of Jesus and he began to sink. And maybe you today are in that moment. Maybe you've taken that step today. But you begin to take your eyes off of Jesus and you begin to sink in what you're supposed to stand on. You begin to drown in your circumstances because you've taken your eyes off of him. Come on, Legacy Church. We are a church that needs to focus and look at our Savior. Regardless of what we're walking through, regardless of our circumstances, regardless of what is happening around us, when the wind and the waves come and the boat seemingly doesn't look like it's going to stand, we need to get out of the boat. 
He's calling us to come deeper in 2023. That was one of the words that he gave us, farther and deeper. But what's so interesting is in this whole process, in this whole story, sure, it might feel comfortable inside the boat. Sure, it might feel safe inside the boat. But can I tell you something? Peter in that moment was closer to his Savior than those who stayed safe. In other words, it's safer to get out of the boat than it is to stay in it. Because your Savior is right there to pull you up out of that circumstance. Your Savior is right there when we lose focus. When we're so enthralled and enwrapped in our circumstances and in our schedule, He's right there to pull us up out. But we must get out of the boat. We gotta get out of the boat. Everybody say, get out of the boat. God, I just thank you. I thank you for every person here at Legacy Church. I thank you that you are building our faith, that you are challenging our faith, that you are renewing maybe a, a faith that was lost because of a circumstance. God, I thank you over this next season that we will stand up in legacy faith, that we will stand up in a faith that we saw those before us step into. And that we will leave an example for our kids and our kids' kids and for the next generation to know that they had a mom and a dad. They had an aunt and an uncle who was willing to live a bold faith, who was willing to live not in a safe place, but step out of a place that was comfortable and to trust in you. So God, we just thank you that in 2023, you've called us to go deeper. And because of that, you will take us farther than ever before. Maybe you're in this place today. Maybe you're watching online and you say, I don't have a relationship with this God you're talking about. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. We don't want any service to go by where we don't give an opportunity to say yes to him. You say, this isn't, what does this mean? This just means that you're going to allow him to come into your life. That you're going to take time to read his word. You're going to take time to pray. And through that, there will be a revelation that you will understand. And through that, there will be a transformation that will take place. And God will begin to take the, the, deep, the deep, dark things that have been hidden inside of you. Maybe through childhood, maybe through certain circumstances. And he will begin to take and replace those things on the inside of you. You say, I want to say yes to him. I want to start this journey. I think so often we think of salvation as the finish line, but it's the starting line to saying yes to him, to allowing him to transform our lives and to make us into new creations, into new beings. So maybe you're in here today. Maybe you're watching online. You say, I want to say yes to him. In this moment, I want you all to bow your heads and close your eyes and just begin to pray. If you're a believer, begin to pray. Begin to pray for the hearts of those who may be watching. Begin to pray for the hearts of those who may be listening. If you're in here today, we want to give you an opportunity to say yes. 
not here to scare you. I'm not here to try to convince you. But what I can tell you is it'll be one of the greatest decisions you'll ever make in your life. It's not a magic potion. It doesn't make everything easy. In fact, sometimes it's going to be hard. Sometimes you're going to have to walk through some storms. Sometimes you're going to have to walk through some things. But can I tell you what? When you say yes, you have a savior on the other side that says, I love you. I'm here for you. I will take care of you. So if that's you today and you feel that feeling on the inside, you say, well, we're not supposed to be moved by feelings. Well, that's the Holy Spirit. Sometimes that's just how we describe it because you have no other way to describe it. But the Holy Spirit is urging you. He's urging you. If you feel that and you want to say yes today, all heads are bowed and all eyes are closed. I want you just to raise your hand in this moment. No one's looking around. We want to give you an opportunity to say yes. If you would, let's pray this together. Audibly, everybody pray this with me. God, thank you for sending Jesus to save me. Today, I repent of my sins. Thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. And thank you for renewing me. Today, I give you my life. Change me. Transform me. Redeem me. I am yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church. Let's celebrate those who said yes this morning. Let's celebrate those who may be watching online. Let's celebrate those who may be listening. Come on, it's exciting when someone says yes to Jesus. Can I tell you, if that's you today and you said yes, there is a community of people who will stand with you. There is a community of people who will stand around you. And whatever you're going through, whatever you're walking through, they will lift up your arms. They will lift up your hands and say, we're here with you. We'll walk through you. We'll walk through it together. Come on, because we need each other. This is the body. This is the church. This is what the church is for. This isn't just to come on Sunday and say yes to him and then we never have community. We never have relationships. This is a body of people who believe together and who are all on different paths and different parts of their pathway. We're not perfect, but we're in pursuit of our Savior. There's no perfect church. There's no perfect pastor. But can I tell you something? We serve a God who is perfect. And we're in pursuit of that. Amen, church. Amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website at lgcy.church.